At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Man, we're really excited to be here. It's awesome to get started. And so now we take off. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. The pads came on for the first time in Steelers 2022 training camp yesterday for day five practice and labs. You know, we we hyped it up all day yesterday on the training camp report, and I have to imagine that it lived up to the hype yesterday. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if anything really lives up to the hype, but let me just say this. I mean, it was a welcome change. You know, to see something that is closer to real football, um, you know, it, it is still drills, and so it's it's still a contained environment uh, up here at training camp. But, um, you know, you, you got to see some hitting, some tackling, um, you know, and it, it's just it just feels like it's more legitimate, even if it's really not even preseason game-like, which isn't even uh, close to being regular season game-like. But, yeah. again, um, it's... It just, I don't know, it just feels more real. At least it did to me. And I have to imagine there's just such a, a different energy, not just, you know, in the atmosphere around the practice field, but the players themselves on the field probably seem to take it up a little extra notch, get a little bit more excited. Like you said, this is actual football now. This is what we signed up for. Yeah, and, you know, I think that the players also understand that this is now when um, real evaluations can happen. Um you know the, uh, the the padless sessions, so very similar to the off season program. I mean, you know, a lot of it is certainly graded and reviewed and all that stuff. And mental mistakes are charted and noted. And you know, there's teaching and and those kind of things. But um, you know, players know as well when one guy gets his butt kicked by another guy. Not only the people <laughs> involved in either you know the the kicky or the kick the kicker. But um, they're teammates, uh, and oftentimes the, it's it's plain enough for the fans sitting on the hillside to see. And so, you know, nobody wants to be, you know, get their butt kicked, um, and you know, in front of people, <laughs> uh, especially if you've played football long enough and well enough to ascend, you know, to even have a chance to make an NFL team. So, yeah, I, I think that there's more excitement involved, and certainly. 
um, along with that excitement, it comes a little bit of a, I won't call it fear because I think that that's unfair, but, you know, some real desire not to be, you know, the kicky when the, uh, you know, foot meets butt. Well, the pads coming on wasn't the only thing of change to note from yesterday's practice, and we're going to sink our teeth into all of the uh, moving pieces on the Steelers' offense and some things on the defensive side of the ball that popped uh, as well. But before we do that, we always like to give a listen to Coach Tomlin's post-practice presser early on in our training camp report. So before we move on anywhere, let's take a listen to what Coach had to say following Day Five's practice. Man, great to get out and compete today. Uh, put the pads on is a significant step. Uh, but equally as important is the learning that, that, that is born out of these opportunities. So we got a big evening tonight and continue with the growth process and, and hopefully do it at a higher level again tomorrow. Um, not a lot of significant news regarding uh, health-related things. Uh, Najee wasn't able to finish. Somebody stepped on his foot, but it shouldn't be a major deal. Um, all the others that we've outlined are kind of status quo. Uh, Jeremy McNichols is getting his shoulder evaluated. Uh, he wasn't able to participate today. That's one that I miss. Um, but other than that, um, man, just really excited to be in this environment and continue with this growth process and, and, and keep snapping that ball and, and, and watching them grow individually and collectively. Questions? Mike, you had a heavy run practice. I'm guessing that's because the pads are going on. And what, did you like it? I did. Um, you know, we just got a lot of growth ahead of us, um, both sides of the ball in that space. And so uh, when, when given an opportunity, we're certainly going to focus on that component of play. Um, just not a lot of padded opportunities between now and when you step into a stadium uh, based on the structure of, of the preseason. And so when you get those opportunities, it, it really needs to be a focus. Mike, you swapped the order of Mason and Kenny. Just what was the thought process behind that today? There'll be more of that. Um, all of those guys will run in all groups. It's just part of team development. So we shouldn't read into it as now Kenny's the two, Mason's the three? You should not, but I'm sure you will. <laughs> Anyone Mike, else? Mike, what are the ben what benefits have you seen so far from just having Brian Flores on your staff? Boy, um, you know, he just is a football lover. He's a good communicator. Um, he does the things that you value from a coach's perspective in terms of challenging guys, holding them accountable, and leading his group. Um, he's a hand in the power guy, so it's been it's been a good good addition. Mike, there seems to be room for competition at backup running back and some uh, second level uh, outside linebackers. Those guys went against each other today and backs and backers. What did you see from those position groups? I thought uh, I thought both groups had their moments. Um, I'd like to see more detail hand usage per positions, um, but that's something that's just going to come as we continue to work. Can you talk a little bit about Jalen Warren? You know, he has an appetite for the competition, and that is a good thing. Uh, he's learning and learning fast, but I think the most significant thing that's captured my attention is he seems really comfortable in these waters from a competition standpoint. Is there any change in the Deontay Johnson status situation, or will there be there any change in the way he practices? Um, there, there wasn't any today. Uh, we'll see what tomorrow holds. Mike, with Najee being evaluated, how much do you have to weigh wanting him to participate and him wanting to participate with being cautious? Somebody stepped on him. I feel like the intensity of the back on backers, is that a drill that maybe is not, I don't want to say fair, but not conducive to the tight ends? You know, drills are football-like. They're not football. What I mean is someone has an advantage in a drill, and I expect those that have an advantage to win quickly. I expect those that 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 are at a disadvantage to fight and compete and and 
and that's just the nature of drill work. We construct drills at times to provide an advantage for one side of the ball or the other. It's just part of the growth process. It seemed like you, you threw uh, rookies out there a couple of times over and over again. Is that something that was just born in that opportunity, or is that something that you want to see coming into backs on backers? No, they need reps. And so it's really as simple as that. They need reps, and so you you provide them the di additional reps that they need. We've had eyes on uh, Scott for a little while at linebacker and Avery for the first time this year. What are you seeing from those two guys? Um, you know, both guys have done a nice job. Um, we'll just look at the tape and continue to monitor their growth and development. I expect Avery to show um, that he's an NFL football player because his, re his resume uh, displays that. And, and so um, that's just one component of his eval. That was Coach Tomlin speaking to the media following Day 5's padded practice yesterday. Labs, I want to start with seven shots and a couple of things of note from seven shots that were different when the pads came on. The first thing I want to touch on was something that you actually predicted or thought might happen on yesterday's training camp report. You're like Labstradamus, just seeing into the future. But you, <laughs> but you thought that we might see a little bit of Najee getting some run, and lo and behold, first play in seven shots, they hand the ball off to number 22. Yeah, and you know that's that's one of the things I think that um, the the Steelers need to to develop, and the only way you develop it, it is it is by working at it, you know, in training camp, and um, you know you need. I, I really think that a, a good red zone offense has to be one that can run the ball into the end zone, and um, you know I remember back in two thousand and four the uh, training camp that uh, Bill Cower kind of nicknamed reestablishing the mindset, you know, after the Tommy Maddox mistake of 2002 and 2003, when the Steelers kind of lost their way offensively and, you know, became a high wire act on offense, which was totally out of their personality. And Ken Wisenhunt was the new, or was the off, yeah, the new offensive coordinator that summer. And uh, Bill Cower didn't do seven shots. He did goal line. And, uh, there were several uh, installments of goal line. And at one point, Ken Wisenhunt ran the ball 14 straight times. Now, <laughs> you know, in 2004, that was Casey Hampton and Aaron Smith and, you know, those people. Right. So um, that wasn't very highly successful early. And I remember asking Ken Wisenhunt, you know, did you ever think about a play action pass? <laughs> and he said, scoring a touchdown in August up here is not nearly as important as me getting the point across to this offense, that when we get down close, they have to have the attitude to run the football into the end zone. And so, you know, that kind of taught me that outcomes aren't necessarily as important as, you know, establishing, um, I don't know, a, a mindset, you know, to use Bill Cowher's word, uh, that, you know, this is the way we're going to play. And so I think football players, especially when you get when they get to this level, you know, they are uh, of the mind of the they have learned that, you know, get it done the way that the coach tells you to get it done. That's one of your jobs. And so, um, you know, I like the fact that the first play of seven on seven was a running play, not only because of what you have to teach the offense, but don't forget. The Steelers were last in the NFL and run defense last year, too. So, you know, you're kind of drilling both sides right. at the same point, time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, they're not going to do it a lot, I don't think, especially not with Najee. I mean, you don't want him getting pounded down there. Uh, but every now and then, 
you know, again, you want to teach your offensive line that there are going to be times in those situations when their primary job is to come off the ball and, you know, drive somebody on defense backwards. And you want your defense to get the idea that when they're down there, you know, it's not always going to be pick plays in the end zone or fade passes that they're going to sometimes have to hunker down, uh, you know, and shed blocks and make tackles. So, uh, again, I just think that when you look at this Steelers team and where it is, uh, those kinds of drills, that kind of thinking really accomplishes two goals all at once. Yeah, and Najee powered his way across the goal line, so he was successful in his one rush attempt and seven shots, gave the offense a one nothing lead. But you know, it just makes your life so much easier when you have a successful red zone goal line running game. The field gets shorter, the field gets tighter. It's so much harder to score through the air. If you can just hand the ball off to number 22 and he can rumble his way five yards into the end zone every time, you're going to be very successful and very stress-free for the most part once you get down there. Yeah, and I've always, it's never really made any sense to me how a lot of NFL teams, when they get down close to the goal line, they pack everybody in um, because then the defense responds the same way and packs everybody in. (laughs) And then you're trying to, you know, dig buffaloes out of uh, small spaces. Uh, I always thought that if you spread everybody out, then the defense would have to spread everybody out and you give the ball to a talented running back and he should be able to find some kind of opening and maybe only have to break one tackle instead of try and push back a couple of 300-pound defensive linemen. But, hey, what do I know? Well, the one change that has everybody super excited in Steelers Nation was the movement of Kenny Pickett up to the second team. Uh, He got his chance to run with the twos not only in seven shots but when they went on to do 11-on-11 as well. Uh, We heard from Tomlin just recently in that post-practice presser saying, there's no reason to read too much into that. You're going to see change like that happen for the next couple of weeks. But he also noted that we will read too much into that. And I'm sure there are a lot of Steelers fans this morning that have moved their depth chart in their kitchen as they eat breakfast as Kenny Pickett up to number two and Mason down to number three. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they are. But I, I do believe, uh, I do take Mike Tomlin and his word, and I believe him. Because really, you have to be able to see for example, since we're talking about him, Kenny Pickett uh, play with and against better competition. If you're really going to be able to come up with an accurate evaluation of him in terms of whether he deserves, you know, to be the starting quarterback. So, um, you know, we we talked about this previously that um, in the padless drills, you know, you might be watching seven on seven with Kenny Pickett as an example. Um, and just look at the the outcome of the the play. Oh, he checked it down, or he threw a swing pass to the tight end, or you know whatever. And he didn't push the ball down the field. Those kinds of things. And what the point I made was, well, when they're graded, you know, the coaches will determine whether he went to the correct spot with the ball based on the coverage. You know, those kinds of things. So uh, Mike Tomlin didn't say that, and I know that. I don't know that that is uh, was a reason, you know, for the decision, but I do believe that there was some of that involved. That you know, Kenny, Kenny Pickett's evaluation to that point probably included enough of good decision making and putting the ball where it was supposed to, where they would look at him and say, "Okay, this guy deserves a chance to play with some better people and play against better, some better competition." Now, that doesn't mean that. Mason Rudolph was substandard. 
I mean, because I think that's where a lot of fans want to go right away. They don't want to say, well, this one guy did good. They want to say, well, this guy did bad, especially when it's Mason Rudolph and Steelers fans. <laughs> yes, very much so. So, um, so but, you know, again, I, I do think that they're going to give Kenny Pickett some opportunities, and they'll move it around too because, I'll, you know, I would imagine that, um, you know, moving him back maybe, that might be a test. You know, how does he handle that? Does he go yes. in the tank? Because – you know, maybe it's not even deserved. Let's just say, you know, they they make the determination that, hey, Mason's playing really well. Let's move him back to two, give him some more reps there, and then see how Pickett reacts to that. Because, you know, you don't want a, a guy to be so fragile mentally, you know, that he goes in the tank on something like that because it's maybe not even that significant. Um, because there's going to be real adversity that an NFL quarterback is going to have to face uh, during real games against real opponents. So, you know, a lot of this is, you know, just part of the teaching process, the evaluation process. And, um, you know, we got a couple of weeks now before the first preseason game, and I think that they want to get some kind of idea, look at where a lot of these guys are, including the quarterbacks. Well, we know Kenny went 0 for 2 in his two chances and seven shots running with the, the second team. Uh, when you saw him out there 11 on 11 with the second team, did you notice maybe a little bit of improvement, looking a little better, playing with guys that were a little more talented than the, the threes that he had been running with? Or was it kind of more of the same, you know, I don't want to say struggle. Uh, I think the right word is learning curve that he's experiencing as he makes the transition from college to the NFL. Well, let's start. We were talking about seven shots, so let's just uh, – I'll start with those. Yeah. Um, he was 0 for 2 through two incomplete passes. Neither one of them was particularly, um, you know, on the money. Now, again, I'm not uh, sophisticated enough to have uh, a good idea and understanding of, you know, did he even go to the right receivers? <clears throat> because it's really difficult uh, for me – I'll speak just personally for me – because you only get to see it once. Right. Uh, there's no replay. I can't rewind the video or any of that kind of stuff. So, you know, you're and you're looking at so many things. Was he under pressure? Um, who's he looking for? Is that guy open? And I miss a lot of stuff. I'm not going to try and pretend that I don't. So, but it just seemed that when he delivered the ball and where the ball went, one was an overthrow, uh, and the other one was wide. So, you know, you could. I could make the case that he wasn't accurate just based on that, but I don't know enough detail about where the coverage was that maybe he was trying to put the ball the only place it could go. Okay. Um, so I don't want to really um, say or, or, or cast, you know, make any definitive statements about how he was doing because there's just so much of it um, that that is above my level of understanding. So, um he didn't really look that much different to me, but neither did the offensive line in terms of the kind of protection he was getting either. I mean, he made yeah. a couple of plays in some 11-on-11 situations where he had to get himself out of uh, the pocket. One one play made really nice, that was a really nice play, was in the um, third down drill. Uh, he got himself out of pressure, and then he delivered an accurate and on-time throw to Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin, who was coming back to help the quarterback, and the ball arrived perfectly at timed and in the right spot, right at the stick for Miles Boykin to make the catch and step out of bounds to get the first down. So, 
yes, there was there were flashes of boy, that was a nice throw, nice play. Um, but again, it took to make a general statement, um, I'm not comfortable doing that yet. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins. With the return of pads came the return of backs on backers, and one player on the defensive side of the ball flashed there and throughout the rest of practice, so we'll get into that and talk about him on the other side of the break. Before we hit the break, though, we want to let you know that Omar Khan will be having a press conference today at 1130. You can hear that press conference live right here on Steelers Nation Radio. It'll also be streamed live on Steelers.com, Steelers mobile app, and you can stream it on the team's Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages. So that's Omar Khan at 1130 today right here on SNR, so make sure you're tuning in for that. Like I said, backs on backers on the way next, and we'll talk about some of the wide receivers as well. That's all on the way on the training camp report right here on SNR. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Day six of Steelers practices today at 155 at Chuck Knoll Field on St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Day two in pads for the Steelers today. With the return of pads yesterday, we saw the return of backs on backers and, of course, live tackling for the Steelers. And, Labs, you you mentioned yesterday that it's always interesting to see who Tomlin pits against who to start backs on backers. Who were the two players that he tabbed yesterday to kick things off? Najee and Miles Jack. I don't think I could have picked a a better pair. Well, I mean, you know, when, when... once it became obvious that, you know, T.J. Watt was sitting that one out. <laughs> he which, did not you know, participate, right? <laughs> no, yeah, what's the point? Um, yeah, those seem to me to be a couple of the, you know, prime candidates. I mean, Miles Jack is new to the Steelers. <clears throat> and so um, not that he needs, you know, he's got enough of an NFL resume that you don't necessarily need to impress upon him that it's necessary to play physically. Um, but still. Um, and then Najee is, you know, he, he wants to be a leader. Um, you want him to be able to show his teammates, you know, by example, some of the things that he's willing to do. And so, yeah, it, it, it kind of made sense as you, as I thought about it, you know, as it was happening, um, you know, but for me, this, I've seen a lot of backs on backers, a lot of them. And this one was, was rather, uh, drama free is the way I would, you know, I've seen some things, you know, backs on backers where James Harrison, I mean, it, it, he was, he was like running over people's like seeing someone trying to stop a moving Volkswagen, you know, or there were times where Joey Porter or Chad Brown or some of those guys would make, uh, attempted blockers look stupid, just really foolish. Um, Chad Brown put a spin move on a guy one time that the guy tried to like reach out to block him and he wasn't there and he whiffed so badly, lost his balance and fell on his face. (laughs) So, but there was none of that, you know, this time. And I I think that Mike Tomlin would actually prefer it that way. I mean, you want to get through the drill, 
uh, see some guys, see how they react to some things, you know, without a lot of the embarrassment or, you know, sometimes it gets a little verbally abusive down on the field, you know, between the offensive guy and the defensive guy. Uh, because I'm here to tell you, as Mike Tom, we when we heard the Mike Tomlin post-practice uh, rundown, he said something to the effect that, you know, uh, in, inherent in every drill often is an advantage and a disadvantage for one side or the other. So clearly in this version of backs on backers, the disadvantage is for the blocker because the blocker can't cut the guy as he would be able to do uh, in a real game. That's legal. So you got to stand up there. You know, if you're a 200-pound running back, say, and you got to block James Harrison, who gets like a six, five or six-yard sprint at you, I mean, you can tell who the disadvantaged person is there. However, in a day or two, they're going to do backs on backers again. Only it's going to be, they call it, backs on backers pass, which means the linebacker has to try to cover the running back one-on-one. The entire field is open. The advantage flips. And there's no pass rush. And there's no pass rush. You know, I remember, you know, uh, there were guys, you know, trying to cover Le'Veon Bell in in an open field like that with – no, no pressure on the passer. I mean, it's it's just you know it's impossible. But as Mike Tomlin said, you know, I just expect those who are at the disadvantage in the drill to fight and compete. And so, you know, uh, yesterday was the time for the running backs, the tight ends, in some instances, to fight and compete. And I think he largely he got what he was looking for. We mentioned Miles Jack was the linebacker that went uh, in the first matchup of backs on backers, and you noted in your practice report that you know Harris stood up to that initial charge, but it was just the start of a large portion of this practice where Miles Jack was just around the ball and in the thick of a lot of the action. Uh, when they did live tackling, Miles Jack was all over the field. Um, Tomlin said in his post-practice press, you know, we did want to put a little emphasis on the run and stopping the run. It has to be music to a lot of fans' ears, and it has to be really encouraging, although early on, for the coaching staff that this guy that you brought in in the offseason, Miles Jack, to really shore up your inside linebacking and stopping that run, I mean, he checked that box big time on day one. Yeah, and I think more when we're talking about Miles Jack and why he was brought to the Steelers and what his uh, what's in his wheelhouse as an inside linebacker, much more telling was the first play of live tackling. Because, you know, it's 11 on 11. They handed the ball to Le'Veon Bell and Miles Jack shot through and tackled him for a loss. I mean, that's what I think the Steelers are looking for, for this guy, from this guy. You know, I remember last summer, I know I got really excited when the Steelers acquired Joe Schobert in the trade from Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, I think that this free agent signing uh, from Jacksonville is actually going to be a bigger help for what they need uh, from their group of inside linebackers and what, um, you know, their defense needs, uh, you know, overall. Because this guy is is a physical, more of a physical player, more of a run stuffer, but he's not so one-dimensional that he's a liability on the field if the offense doesn't cooperate and decides to throw the ball. We're going to hear from wide receiver George Pickens in just a few minutes here, but a couple of quick notes before we get there. Uh, you heard Tom mention in his presser that we played in the first segment today, Najee Harris did experience an injury that had him shut his practice down. Uh, he just got his left foot stepped on, and like Tomlin said, there's probably nothing of concern there. You just want to be careful with a guy who's going to be the focal point of your offense like that. 
Absolutely. And, um, you know, it is, he is a running back and it is his foot. And there's really, you know, as we were talking uh, in the first segment as well, you know, there's still a couple of weeks before the first preseason game. You know, the, the first regular season game is um, in Cincinnati, Sunday, September 11th. It's August the 2nd. Yeah, we have still over a month so, to go, yeah. Right. And, you know, as someone once told me, you know, the, the any anything that um, Najee Harris, that happens to Najee Harris or he does on the field at this point of the year is bad news. Because what are you going to say? You had a nice run? I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, that's that's not news. If, if Najee Harris is in the news now, it's for what we were just talking about. An injury. How serious is it? When will he be back? You know, is it going to keep him out long? Blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So there's no point in testing his toughness because this is not the time for that kind of toughness. There is some kind of toughness that you're looking for from your uh, top line players all the time. But, you know, playing through, you know, a, f- a potential foot injury without l- allowing it to. I don't. I won't say fester because that's not the right word, but develop or whatever to so you can really see what it is and determine a course of treatment for it and and start that treatment process. You know, to me, that's just foolish. Another note uh, that I'm sure most Steelers fans would categorize as bad news was that Deontay, when the pads came on, he did not put his pads on, uh, refrained from doing team activities once again, uh, just did some individual work padless. Uh, I thought there was a chance, Labs, that when the pads came on, he might change his tune a bit and, and join in on the team stuff. But seeing as how that did not happen, I don't see a really logical end in sight uh, other than that. You know, there's no maybe, maybe that first preseason game is the next mile marker that you could look at to see when he would jump in. But I think this might be a long haul kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, kind of it's in for a penny, in for a pound kind of deal. Uh, if, if he was going to uh, just hold in, for the through the uh, non-contact part part of training camp, I mean, what's even the point of that? Okay. In my mind, uh, in terms of him trying to, you know, get the out him and his agent trying to get the outcome that they're looking for. Uh, but yeah, I I kind of thought this was going to be that that kind of situation. I mean, we didn't see T.J. Watt last year um, put the pads on when the pads started to go on. I mean, if if you're going to do this. You know, I think you have to be committed to it. Um, and, you know, I don't know how – I, I really don't know how this is going to turn out. I mean, I I, I, um, I I can see it both ways. I can certainly see uh, what Deontay Johnson is, is trying to do in terms of not force the team into to a negotiation but protect himself while that process is going on. Um, but I just don't know uh, – if if it if it's gonna work, if it if he doesn't get the contract extension, then is he in a situation where he's playing with a new quarterback and then a new kind of offense anyway? Even though Matt Canada is still the coordinator, but Ben's not the quarterback anymore. So has he then hurt himself in the attempt or the goal of you know a show me kind of season in 2022 that might allow him to cash in? when he becomes an unrestricted free agent next March. So, right. you know, it's, it's an educated guess, a gamble, however you want to describe it. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to turn out, and I'm just happy 
relieved, I guess would be the word, that I'm not the person who's giving him advice on what he, what course of action he should take. Because I really, it, it could go either way. It really could. And I have, I could talk myself into it either way. So, um, you know, as I said, I, I don't think he's going to be coming back. Uh, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. Well, one guy that's definitely making the most of the opportunity of Deontay Johnson sitting out has been rookie wide receiver George Pickens. He actually caught up with the media yesterday, and we have that audio for you right here on SNR. You were a guy, when you were at Georgia, you were a guy that looked like you really embraced the blocking aspect of playing wide receiver. Yeah. How long has that been a goal of yours, and, and how much are you looking forward to putting the pads on today and showing a little of that? Uh, really just keep doing the same thing I've been doing. Uh, at the end of the day, it's like football, so you don't really up it one day more just because we got pads on or up it one day less just because we don't. So, Is that something they stress, somebody stressed to you at an early age, how hey, you can't just catch passes, you got to do some dirty work? Yeah, as an early age, I didn't play offense. So <laughs> that kind of explained itself to me. Who would you play? Uh, safety and cornerback. You like uh, blocking? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's not like a... You know, everybody don't want to do it, but like, I don't really got no problem with pass catching, blocking, route running, it's football, so. What's been the key to your success so far? Uh, just keep working. That's kind of what I said at the come out too, like, just keep working. I'm probably said that every interview too, because that's literally what I do, that's all I do, bro. You got a lot of people, teammates I'm talking about, bringing your name up to us. Oh yeah, I'm off. Describing you as head turning. Are you hearing any of this? Or are they relaying any of this to you? How did your first week go? In uh, I feel like my first week went good. Uh, I haven't really heard any teammates really say anything. Uh, they just really tell me just keep doing what I'm doing. So the other thing that seems to stand about stand out about your game is your body control. Mm -hmm. How long has that been a plus for you? Ever since I was like seven, like I just been working. <laughs> I always kind of had. I mean, I would guess I'm blessed. I guess. What helped you and Calvin bond? He was saying, like, you guys are really tight. You talk about games, music, stuff like that. But you didn't know each other before you got drafted here. So what is it that's kind of contributed to you guys getting so close so fast? Uh, I kind of did know him a little bit in the combine because we was, you know, the receiver group always. We were the first group to get to the combine. And uh, really just every day being there, you know, like, when you be with somebody every day, you gonna, it's just like your kids. You feel me? You're going to eventually know what they want to do, know what they. So that's kind of how our bond kind of created. It wasn't like no setup plan type. How much are they, they putting on your plate? Like, are you, how many different positions do you learn so far and, mm -hmm. and all that? Uh, my freshman year, usually, yeah, I play Z. And, uh, you know, I'm normally like an X, like a backside receiver, X one on one type deal. But uh, it's kind of the same thing, to be honest. It really helped playing in the pro style offense. It's the same thing, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, so far, he's glitching. So, yeah, so far, I'd probably say. There's some guys with speed on defense, too, so, you know, you can't really say the whole team. But as far as, like, offense, yeah, probably Calvin. Calvin said you're a big Memphis music guy. Who do you like? Who do you listen to? Really the same artist he listened to. That's like, that's, like, part of the question, you know, before. Like, it just happened. It wasn't like, you feel me, like you said, we know each other before. He didn't know I listened to Memphis rappers. I didn't even know he was from Memphis. You know what I mean? So, like, it just kind of clicked. Who were some of those Memphis rappers? Uh, Young Dolph, RP, uh, who else? Yo Gotti. Uh, 
that's really like the main two. Those are like the main two that are like huge. Every, I mean, they drop a song almost every day. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. Is that what y'all were playing in your room? Yeah, I mean, our room's kind of connected. So if he's playing, I can already hear it. I don't even have to go over there. <laughs> Claypool said he thinks he could be maybe the most productive rookie receiver in the league this year. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Any thoughts on uh, what you uh, might get done? I just tell him, you know, thank you, Chase. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I said, I'm just gonna keep working. Uh, I don't really, you know, kind of look at the accolades. I just kind of let it happen. You know, just kind of like the Calvin thing. It's just gonna happen naturally. You and, George, you when you come to camp, is, uh, uh, is your objective to make people make people just take notice of you and have you done that? Uh, really, just like my objective in camp was really just to, you know, show guys we've been not in pads the whole time. So. Just showing like all the coaches, I'm really a nice route runner. You remember that was my biggest thing because everybody know I'm big, fast. That was my, you know, just deep ball type of guy. That's what you. That's what Randy Moss was. Randy Moss really never had to, sh -sh 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 -sh. and that's kind of what I wanted to display. You and, you and Kenny are gonna be linked together for presumably a long time here. Yeah. How has that relationship grown? Uh, did you know him at all before you got here? Yeah, uh, the combine really helped that a lot. Uh, like some of the guys that you probably won't think you don't know. You still kind of know, like uh, when Kenny got here, we was already a familiar. We, you know, top 30 visits. You visit other teams with that player, so. Two more guys. The body control that you talked about. You said you've had it since you were six or seven, mm -hmm. but did you hit a growth spurt at any point that it got a little difficult to start trying to control your body, or did that just come naturally? Uh, it just came naturally. You know, naturally I wanted to do a different bit of drills as taller I get. So, you know, some people get tall and they just start working on, you know, just regular stuff that you already are blessed with. When I just trying to model my game after a little guy and try to, you know, improve it that way. That's Steelers rookie wide receiver George Pickens speaking with the media yesterday at St. Vincent College before practice of day five. Labs, expectations are high for that rookie wide receiver, and they seem to be getting higher each day as camp rolls along. Uh, one thing I really love to hear from him, I wouldn't say that he was enthusiastic when he said he likes to block, but but I think he, he understands that that's definitely part of the game and definitely part of what the Steelers' offense is going to require from him moving forward. Yeah, and if, uh, you know, looking at clips of him, you know, uh, during college games, you know, regardless of what he says or whether he sounds enthusiastic when talking about it, you can see by his play that he is willing and um, aggressive in that area. And you know, I've mentioned this before that the way you turn, you know, four to six yard runs in the NFL into eight to 12 to 15 yard runs in the NFL is with perimeter blocking and George Pickens is willing to provide that. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the training camp report. We want to talk some offensive line as it was really the first good look you had at that unit and also touch on some of the rookies that have been flashing so far up at St. Vincent for Steelers 2022 training camp. That's all on the way next right here on the Steelers training camp report on Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Wrapping things up here on Day 6's Training Camp Report. Day 6 practice starts today at 1.55 p.m., so if you're headed up, make sure you get there for the start of the festivities. Uh, everybody loves when the pads come on. We've been talking about that all day today. The fans love it. We love it. The coaches love it. The players love it. But I have to imagine one group that loves it particularly more than the rest is that offensive line group. We got our first look at that new look unit. Really our first legitimate look at that new look unit yesterday. Uh, the left guard rotation 
stayed the same. It continued as we expected to for a while here throughout camp. But other than that, anything that kind of jumped out at you uh, in the first initial phase of, of padded practices for the offensive line? Um, I'm, and th- this is not this this jumped out at me, but it was not um, the the first group. Uh, okay. During during live tackling drill, um, it was it was a short yardage uh, situation, and I'm looking through here through my practice report so I get the names right. Um, but there was a, an instance where uh, an offensive lineman jumped. Jump the count. Jordan Tucker, I believe it was. Okay. And uh, Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach, immediately pulled him out. <laughs> um, and there was no, like, yelling at him or anything. He just pulled him out as the um, team was almost still, the rest of the offense was still in their um, in their stances. Because <laughs> uh, the whistles blow, blew right away, you know, to stop everything. Yeah. And um, so he pulled him out and... He didn't make him run a lap, but he made him run um, like uh, to the other end of the field and back. And he was immediately replaced in the lineup. And then they went back and they ran the play uh, as if nothing had happened. So, you know, I've seen different coaches and different offensive line coaches, you know, handle those kinds of things differently. You know, Bill Cower was that would make him crazy. (laughs) <laughs> those kind of pre-snap penalties. You know, Russ Grimm wasn't much of a yeller or a screamer. He'd just kind of give the guy a look like, you know, what are you doing? Because his point was, you know, if you're in the NFL as an offensive lineman and you jump the count, you know you messed up. Right. You know, do I really – I don't really have to say anything to you. If you do it again, you know, then we have a problem uh, most likely. But so that was a little something different. And, uh, you know, I'm going to see how to continue to watch things like that just to see how, you know, this is Pat Meyer's first year as the offensive line coach. And you're just trying to gauge, you know, how he goes about his job and interacts with his players. And so, um, you know, I don't know if I'm in favor or opposed, you know, to that kind of thing. That's his style. That's fine with me. Um, And we'll see if it, you know, has an impact. But, you know, there didn't seem to be, you know, to get back to answering your question, first snap of live tackling, Najee Harris gets tackled in the backfield. Mm. Uh, you know, another play in live tackling, he was kind of um, brought down from behind and, and tackled for little or no gain. We've so, seen this movie if you're mm. a- right, if you're asking me, w- was there a big uh, jump in improvement? No, but then, you know, you flip it around and you think, wow, the defense is stopping the run. So, um, <laughs> you know, way, lads. You can, always you, look at the glass well, half but, full. Well, but I mean, you can re- truly, and it, it, it's legitimate to paint it either way. Right. Because you can say, well, boy, the, the run defense, you know, the offensive line was terrible. Well, uh, you know, um, but the run defense was last in the league. So, you know, which, which is you know, you want to be happy or you want to be angry or, you know, how, how do you kind of split the baby, so to speak? So, um, you know, I, and, and let me hear, here, I'm going to give away one of my secrets and to our millions of listeners. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what I think about the offensive line when I get a chance to talk to Max Starks and Craig Wolfley about it, because I mean, I always did that even, right. you know, with Tunch Ilkin, I would try and find him when he was watching, you know, the one-on-one pass 
block pass rush drills, and I just stand next to him, um, and I just say to him, you know, commentate. I wouldn't even ask any questions. <laughs> you learn some things about how to, the, the, you know, the way you play the position, and um, you also, you know, get some evaluations on the, the guys that you're watching. Wolf and Starks are in the locker room following us, so make sure you keep it here to hear what those guys have to say from the first day of padded practices. But before we hand things off to those two, I wanted to talk about the strong showing that we've seen some from this rookie class through camp. I mean, obviously there's not massive expectations on anyone really maybe outside of George Pickens right now with that class, but, you know, Pickett's obviously got a lot of the attention as he naturally would. Pickens has looked like one of the best players in camp. You see Connor Hayward making plays. You see DeMarvin Leal making plays. Calvin Austin is popping as one of the faster guys, if not the fastest guy on this roster. I mean, it's super, super early, but so far the returns on this rookie class look like it's a pretty good start. Yeah, it, it does. And, um, you know, some of those guys, they're going to need them, uh, you know, to pop and to contribute. You know, uh, George Pickens, uh, for one, I think that, you know, this guy is legit. Um, and so to me, it's not a question of uh, if if this guy is a player, you know, it's he is, how are they going to use him and, and how uh, productive is he going to be? Uh, the Calvin Austin thing, uh, I've seen a couple of, uh, you know, he just he just shows burst yeah. that you can tell is special because you see him running with other, you know, with the other players. Uh, one of the most successful running plays, you know, during the live tackling was a jet sweep with uh, um, Austin getting the ball and one more downfield block and he goes all the way. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things with this guy is going to be if the, the opponent, whoever it is, is unable to truly gauge his speed watching him on video, you know, and all those first you know, the first uh, time against uh, him and the Steelers, if they're unable to gauge his speed watching it on video, um, he's going he's gonna to break some long plays. Uh, even watching him, he catches punts well, and he has a, I don't know, a, a gear that you can just see is, uh, is going to make him uh, effective in that respect. Uh, we've, we've talked about the Marvin Leal, too. Um, he flashes. You know, before you know it, he's in the backfield. Uh, now, I don't know if he's going to be able to be as effective um, and when he has to, like, hunker down and be physical and take on blocks and those kind of, kinds of things. But I'm not willing to say that he's not. And uh, and I also don't know that his quickness in that and athleticism might not be able to compensate for some of, you know, I won't say lack of strength, but unfamiliarity with how to play in there when you when you're just trying to be physical uh you know until he's able to get stronger so yeah i um i i'm liking a, a lot of these these rookies and i, I think that um, everybody's going to be focused on the quarterback naturally Obviously, if he's not yeah. playing then um is the is the draft class certainly a bust in their first year <laughs> but there's a lot more to it than that Practice today starts at 1.55. If you are headed up to St. Vincent to take in the festivities, the Steeler legend for the photo up today is Larry Brown, four-time Super Bowl champion with the Steelers of the 70s. Tomorrow's legend is Rocky Blyer, 
So there are eight Super Bowl rings that will be on campus in the next uh, two days. It's pretty impressive stuff. Make sure you get up there and get your photo taken with Larry Brown today, Rocky Blyer tomorrow. We also wanted to remind you that Steelers general manager Omar Khan will be having a press conference today. We will be broadcasting that live right here on SNR. It's at 1130 AM, so make sure you're tuning into that. You can also stream the press conference live on Steelers.com, the Steelers official mobile app, and the team's Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages. So definitely looking forward to hear from Omar Khan later on today, and we'll definitely sink our teeth into some of the things that he said on tomorrow's practice report. But that's going to do it for us here today. Wolf and Starks are in the locker room up next. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opperman, and this has been the Training Camp Report right here on Steelers Nation Radio. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide-open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to Land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're Land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to Land.com, find your open space, and get out there. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer, and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing. With so many fun things happening this spring, like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, it's hard to find great-looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection, and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.